Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 344 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I'm Jason Evans. I'll be your Sherpa, your guide through the wilderness today as we uh, discuss all the things happening with Duke Athletics. Lots of stuff going on. Joining me will be my good friend, my partner in crime, Donald Wine. Donald, how are you feeling today? Uh, well, today is not the best day for me personally. I uh, had just found out about a, a death, not necessarily in my immediate family, but in my extended soccer family. Uh, so for those who listen and cross over, Martin Hushka, my man, rest in peace. Oh, sorry to hear about that, man. Unfortunately, Sam Klein cannot be with us today. You know, it's sort of ironic. Sam has sort of been carrying the weight for the past few days as Donald and I have been on the road. Um, now we are both back <laughs> in Atlanta and Washington. And, and Sam is the one who's, uh, who's, who's busy, who's got life getting in the way. So we will soldier on, carry on without him. Whole bunch of different topics to talk to you about um, today. Uh, we're going to be getting to Duke football in a little bit. There's some interesting Duke basketball recruiting news. We want to mention the men's and women, the Duke men's and women's soccer teams. That'll be coming up a little bit later. They've done some pretty remarkable stuff lately. We want to give them their due. But we're going to start. Look, we are the Duke basketball report. So we're going to start with basketball and specifically the end of an era. J.J. Redick. Um, and an absolute legend at Duke, uh, a, a great NBA shooter, considered one of the best outside shooters in NBA history, has called it quits. Uh, JJ says he is going to uh, retire um, after 15 seasons in the NBA. Um, as I mentioned, one of the uh, one of the one of the top three point shooters in NBA history, both statistically and in terms of the eye test. Watching him play, he's a guy who played on numerous numerous playoff teams throughout his career, um, but unfortunately never never got a chance to win a ring. A lot of folks thought that maybe J.J. would try and um, come back and play. He, he lives in the New York area, and thought, folks thought that maybe he would try and play for either the Nets or the Knicks this year um, because those are teams that uh, have you know great playoff chances, and, and the thought was that maybe J.J., especially the Nets, that maybe J.J. would, would take a shot at that. Um, uh, in the hope that that he could finally get that ring, but he's decided to call it quits. He, he's mentioned he's got some nagging injury stuff regarding his Achilles that I think played a role in all this. And frankly, he's been around for a, a long time and has more than earned uh, a little bit of time with his family. <laughs> so, Donald, um, give me your thoughts on JJ's career and uh, you know and and missing watching him on the court. Well, I, I've watched him for a long time. I mean, we went to school together. Uh, I was a couple years older than him. I uh, had some classes with him, uh, but had a front row seat, literally, to uh, the first two years of his college career and watching him uh, grow and blossom into the player that he was in the NBA. Like you said, one of the great shooters in NBA history, 41.5% uh, from three at further career. Most people can't do that in a game, but he did that for an entire career. And Again, I think you talked about you know, the fact that he was on numerous playoff teams. He only missed the playoffs once in his 15-year career. That's an incredible, incredible stat. And the one time he missed it was the bubble last year. So that is – those sort of things kind of round out what J.J. Redick was, a team player who could do it all. He's the leading scorer in Duke basketball history. His number four will not be worn by anyone else uh, at Duke University because it's retired. And I, I think – Looking back, I think right now, and I have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure he's the last player uh, that went to Duke with me that was in the NBA. So him, him leaving is now kind of a passing of the torch uh, to, the, to the next generation. 
we are officially old, Jason. Uh, I, I, I mean, you have players <laughs> that, that, that have long since retired, but now I join the ranks of the old, which is ironic because JJ Reddick's podcast is called Old Man in the Three. Uh, so I, I think it's looking at his career, it's one of the great careers. And I'm privileged that I was able to watch JJ Reddick to just destroy people on a nightly basis in Cameron and have a long, majestic NBA career while falling short of a title was still one that you look back and people will go, JJ Redick was a terrific player in the professional ranks and really did it all uh, for his team. So uh, congratulations to JJ on a fantastic career. And, you know, with the podcast and with anything else that he's doing, he's going to excel in the next chapter of his life. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, his age and feeling old. The only guys in the NBA who are older than J.J. Redick right now are Andre Iguodala and Carmelo Anthony. Um, uh, you know, J.J. had, it, it, it's, it was a tremendously impressive NBA career. Um, highlighted, I think, I, I think his best years were with the Clippers and the 76ers um, when he was one of the most dangerous outside threats in the entire game. And look, we have to remember, all this started, obviously, at Duke, where he was National Player of the Year, um, a lightning rod for, for controversy and, and for opponents' hatred, um, uh, not just opponents, but fans' hatred especially. Uh, and, and J.J. Uh, learned, I think, so much from his time at Duke. And the reason I love his career so much, the reason I love him so much, is that he was a guy who put in phenomenal work ethic to everything he did when he, when he was at Duke, you know, they said he could only be a certain type of player. And he said, Nope, I'm going to make myself into, into more than that. When he went into the NBA, they said, you're, you're not enough of a defender. You can't handle the ball well enough. You're, you know, you're not, you're not gonna be able to stick at this level. And he said, Nope, I'm going to learn how to do the things I haven't done really well. And I'm going to become a significant NBA player by doing a lot of things. Well, um, and, and along the way on those paths, he never forgot what he did better than anyone else, which was shooting. Um, and when JJ would get in the zone, uh, you know, he had games where he scored 30 plus. I think he even had one game where he scored 40 plus points. It was just fun to watch. He was unconscious. And, uh, you know, it, it was, there's something special about watching a guy who is a threat to put the ball through the hoop. You know, the moment he steps literally anywhere, literally anywhere. Yeah. Literally and, anywhere. And that was JJ. And, and I just, I love you know, I, he wasn't a, a standstill shooter. This is a guy who, you know, he'd get it off of curls, off of picks and stuff like that. He'd be on the move. But you you would see in the air that he would square those shoulders. He'd get his, you know, arms, his elbow at the proper angle to take that shot. And he was knocking it down. It was it was a pleasure to watch. And I'm, I'm bummed that we're not going to have him anymore. But he is, he's going to continue to be out there. He, he's a great podcaster. I mean, look, he, he's in our business and I'm, ready to admit he's he's way better than we are at this <laughs> he's had practice he had he gets he has his all season he goes into his his mojo he gets some really good guests too so if you like far be it from us we always like to tell you about some other podcast podcasts that are out there that are really good his is definitely one of them if you're a duke fan or if you're a fan of the nba you definitely should be you probably already have old man the three in your podcast feed right next to Duke basketball report. So we highly recommend that happening, but Jason really quick. I want to talk about a couple of things about JJ that a lot of people who did not go to Duke probably don't remember about JJ. 
I can talk about all the stat lines that he used to have where he just go off for 40 points, like the game against Virginia where he went nine for 11 from the field and had 41 points. And it's probably the most efficient game in college basketball history. But my senior year, his sophomore year, he at one point had made like, I think, 65 free throws in a row. Remember, not just he wasn't just good from anywhere on the court. He literally was when you say unconscious, he never missed from the free throw line. When he missed, it was, you would hear audible. It was news. It was news in the crowd. Yeah. They would like JJ has missed. It would be in the game notes for media. It'd be like, Hey, you know, JJ missed a free throw for the first time since like, you know, 2005, but he literally came to us one night. I was a headline monitor, Jason, you were in your day. I believe you were the first one, Um, but he came to us one night and he said, Hey guys, you know, in Cameron, when there's a free throw, when Duke shoots a free throw, it's the quietest that Cameron will ever be. Everyone has their hands in the air. Everyone's dead silent for them to concentrate on the free throw. He goes, guys, the one thing about Cameron, I love everything you do, but it's a little too quiet on the free throws and it's messing with my concentration. So can we get, I I feel like I do better when there's some ambient noise because whenever he went on the road, he would get so much, so many people tormenting him. Oh yeah. It would motivate him to be even better. And he, some of his best games were on the road. So he said, guys, I don't want you to just yell at my face or anything, but can we create some ambient noise? So he's the only guy that I've ever seen that for free throws, Cameron was not silent because he wanted to, we would just do light clapping where it's just very, very light, but it would just be something where it was enough ambient noise for him to restart his streak. And again, he went off for another like streak where he hit like 50 free throws in a row. So that's the funny thing about JJ, but also something where literally if he asked us to, you know, do anything in Cameron we would have done it because he was one of the legends of this game one of the legends of our great great programs history and he also was a guy who was a man of the people he he loves being around kids he loved being around uh, his peers and he wasn't one of those jocks that kind of disappears into the nether region he he was a guy that was approachable and I think because of that he endeared himself to a lot of people and we fought for him too when he was on the road he was you know he could handle his own but Everyone who appreciates Duke basketball knows that J.J. Redick is one of the great players that has ever walked through those halls of Cameron Indoor Stadium, and we're certainly going to miss him. Yeah. Uh, no, you talk about the free throws. I mean, he goes down as one of the great free throw shooters in NBA history, just a touch under 90% from the free throw line, which is – And that's low. It's I mean, crazy. like he had years where he like barely – he like he maybe missed one the entire year. I don't think he had one where he went 100%, but no, he was he close didn't. a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, in fact, his best, his best free throw shooting season was his last year. He hit 94% this past season. Um, it was an abbreviated season for him. He'd struggled with injuries a little bit between new Orleans and Dallas, but 94%, that's just a crazy number. The, the guy knew how to shoot that, that should be his epitaph. Uh, and, and we will miss JJ Reddick. We'll miss him. Oh, so, so, so much. Um, but we want to move on to some other uh, Duke basketball-related news. This is kind of an interesting one. Uh, it was announced this week that uh, Duke freshman um, forward, A.J. Griffin, has signed with CAA uh, for, for basketball representation, for name, image, and likeness representation. Uh, I went and looked. I, I, folks, we've talked about CAA basketball on this podcast before. When, when Paolo Bancaro signed with CAA, we talked about what a big deal it was that CAA represents an ungodly number of NBA pros. They are, represent Zion Williamson, Paul George. I could go on, Chris Paul, I could go on and on. They have a, a ton of NBA pros that they represent. 
And we said it was a huge deal that the first guy, the first college player that they had signed for NIL stuff was Paolo Bancaro. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, we noted that CAA had negotiated for Paolo to become the first college player to appear in NBA 2K. So now it's been announced that the second player, again, there's an entire universe of college basketball players out there. And believe me, CAA can sign anybody they want. The second player they have signed is Duke's A.J. Griffin. Donald, how significant is this? Is, is CAA just going to come along every year and say, we're going to take the top couple guys on the, on the Duke basketball team? I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> hey, they'll they'll have their they'll have their choice this year, next year, the year after that, the year after that. They're gonna have if they're gonna do that formula, then it's gonna be interesting who they pick in years to come because they'll have a lot of guys to choose from. But for AJ Griffin, uh, the one thing I'll say about it is this: I think it's an incredible thing that the first two players that they signed are the two heralded. Uh, I mean, not not to say our a whole class is a herald, but but the two most heralded recruits uh, in this year's class for Duke, and I think you know. Paulo Bancaro being on the cover of 2K or not in the cover, but in the game is awesome. I think AJ Griffin, uh, I think there should be some, uh, you know, you know, remember back in the day they had body by Jake, those videos, they got to have body by AJ Griffin uh, because <laughs> a man's arms are, 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 are something, something to be behold. And uh, I think there's going to be some definite endorsements coming his way from uh, name image likeness to be on some sort of, workout video or on some total gym or something because uh, I think CEA could get it done for him. But uh, <laughs> I say that in jest, but honestly, him going to CAA means that also him and Paolo can partner with each other on things like exactly. that is a that, cool thing too. Yeah, um, I, They I, are clearly good friends. So it's, it's going to be great to see some of that synergy that could possibly come out in some of these uh, endorsement deals. Yeah. I think the cool thing that could happen here is that it allows CAA to, to sort of market the two of them together. And, and let's be clear, we're, we're not hearing a lot about college basketball guys um, signing lucrative deals and doing commercials and stuff like that yet because the college basketball season hasn't heat, heated up yet. We, I, you know, we've only got a little bit of summer footage, summer scrimmage footage of guys like Paolo and AJ. Um, and I think that once you see, you know, once they play in the tip-off classic, um, you know, which is really the, the, the beginning of the college basketball season. And once these guys start to become household names, that's when you're going to see the endorsement opportunities really explode. And I think it's very interesting that sort of the two guys who many people project to be, um, uh, as you said, the, the two biggest stars on the Duke team, that they are together at the same agency. It allows that agency perhaps to package them together in endorsement deals that could be really interesting. And Donald, you sort of segued us accidentally into another thing I wanted to mention just this week just a couple days ago we got the team photo of the Duke basketball mm -hmm. team you were talking about AJ Griffin's arms I mean when you look at that photo it, he looks he and Theo John they, those guys <laughs> look like they have never I was gonna say Theo, Theo Theo's endorsements are coming soon someone someone is coming through with a dumbbell or barbell or something you're gonna be like Theo you're up <laughs> those guys have never missed a day in the gym that's the way it looks they just it is really impressive. Yeah, our team our team looks solid, but it was definitely like as soon as we get the picture, it like Jason's like, where are AJ's arms? And AJ's arms are are to the right, and you're like, you know, you're supposed to focus on the center of the photo, but no, no, your eyes immediately go to what has AJ been doing in the gym this summer? Because I mean, he, his arms were big when they got to campus, but they weren't yeah. that big. 
they, you know, coach, coach Will has been working them out this summer. Uh, and, and they look, they look great. You know, the other guy to mention from that photo that stands out is Trevor Keels. My boy is, that, that guy's thick. Now yeah. he, he doesn't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say that Trevor looks like he's overweight. He, he doesn't look nearly as cut as Theo and AJ. That's for sure. But he, he looks big. I mean, if I was an opposing shooting guard, the notion of this guy being able to push me around a little bit would, would scare the heck out of me. I mean, Trevor Keels looks like whew, I, he, he's going to push people around on the, on the court for sure. And that's, that's a valuable, valuable thing to have in your arsenal. And we talked about this uh, a few weeks back when they had that uh, five on five scrimmage video. And we talked about how he was just was imposing as a, as a guard. Like if you're like, yeah. if you're a guard and you're lined up against Trevor Kears, you're looking up him like, my God, what it like, that's the smallest guy on the court. I don't want to be with, I don't want to be near that. Like, get me, get me out of the, get me out of the game coach. Like that's how big he is. And no, he's not as, he's not as, you know, chiseled as AJ would be, but the man is definitely strong and he's definitely put in work and you can tell it like, cause again, all these freshmen, even Paulo all look bigger than when they first arrived on campus a couple months ago. And that's just a couple months uh, of just hard work in the summer. That tells you what they've been doing this summer. And it shows that, you know, I mean, we've been hearing in the circles about how this season is going and or the off season is going and how these guys are approaching this season. Everybody understands the assignment. There's, there's a nice retirement gift and there's, there's a lot we can give coach K but there's one big one. And these guys have their eyes set on making sure they get the big retirement gift. And they're working hard towards getting that. And I'm, I'm really excited. It, it just makes me more excited to, for the season to start. Uh, so that's going to take That's That's most of our basketball news for the moment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, going to hit some football, going to hit some soccer. And we're going to tell you about the next Duke basketball recruit. Duke, Duke basketball recruiting. On a huge role, we've got a very important recruit coming to campus this weekend. We'll preview it for you when we come back on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. All right, we are back from the break. And Donald, it's time to talk a little bit about football. Uh, the Duke football team had a really nice win over Northwestern this weekend. They scored three touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, they had a, a big lead at halftime. Uh, in fact, a lot of people probably were like, eh, I don't even need to watch the second half. Woo, if you didn't watch the second half, <laughs> you missed some drama because Northwestern, a good, solid Big Ten team, not, not a bottom dweller. Northwestern expected to be, you know, a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. This is a, this is a good club. They came back in a big, big way. Duke did not score. I repeat, Duke did not score a single point in the second half, but the Blue Devils held on to win the game. It, it, it was quite exciting. Donald, what, what were you thinking about as you were watching <laughs> this second half? Uh, uh, you well, know, uh, and, and the big lead almost disappear. Well, first off, in the first half, if you turned on the football game in the first like four minutes of the ball game, you missed two scores. We were up 14 nothing with, with four minutes into the game. So that was fun. And really, Jason, we talked about this during the game, but turnovers. We were getting turnovers. Yeah, yeah Duke was getting turnovers to the Thunkin. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we just had – we had a lot – our defense stepped up in a major way in the first half. It seemed like the second half, like early on, they just kind of took their foot off the gas completely. Uh, and then by then, and like you said, Northwestern's a really good football team. So it's not like we were playing, you know, the Little Sisters of the Poor or some D2 college. Like we were playing a team that – 
if you take the foot off the gas, they were going to catch up and catch up. They did very, very quickly, but kudos to the staff, kudos to the, to the players for getting their heads back in the game. And even though they didn't score, they were able to hold off Northwestern because Northwestern was still taking some punches uh, throughout the second half to try and get that, that tying touchdown, but they just couldn't punch through because our defense held off and, and our offense did what they needed to do to win the game. Now I will say on the offensive end, we did have a couple of turnovers on the offensive end as well. Obviously that's something that happens uh, that we talk about frequently, but I do think for the most part, the running game was great. Mateo Durant, you know, after this, even though he had two fumbles, he had 102 yards. He had a, a, a rushing touchdown. People are starting to put him in the talk of ACC player of the year, which is what's deserved through the first three weeks of the season, given how he's played. And hopefully that continues. It'll be about the, the rest of the offense uh, trying to trying to commandeer and go down this field and make it so that the defense can stay off the field and, and stay rested. Uh, and I think that's something that they'll probably work on hopefully with this coming game this weekend. You know, I want to talk about um, the defense in the second half because, um, I, you know, here's how the second half begins. And again, Duke has this big halftime lead. Duke gets the ball, run a few plays, then they punt. Um, they give up, a, they, they then give up a long drive for a touchdown. You know, Northwestern goes 70 plus yards in only six plays. Duke gets the ball back, promptly fumbles it almost immediately. And then, and, and, and we give up another touchdown. I mean, it, Northwestern scored two TDs to get back in this game. You know, like you said, the first three or four minutes of the second half, you're just like, oh, no. And then Duke throws another interception and you would have thought, OK, this is it. We're, you know, we're about to fold. But they didn't. Uh, the defense really held up nicely from there. Um, and, uh, you know, there have been years where I think Duke would not have had the intestinal fortitude to, to hang on for, for a win like this. Uh, but I thought. I thought the defense was strong in the second half, despite, you know, the, the, the two scores early in the second half. And, and the offense did just enough to, to hold Northwestern at bay. And, you know, I, I really like the way Gunnar Holmberg is looking. He, he's looking more and more accurate. He throws a good deep ball. Um, and, and I like the fact that Duke is not just relying on short passes. They're challenging teams deep, and that opens things up more. Um, I thought Gunnar handled... Uh, the pressure, both the pressure of the game and the pressure that Northwestern was putting on him really, really nicely. He, he showed that he's an experienced quarterback. Um, and, and, and like you said, you know, I, Mateo Durant, I love it when we get him in space with swing passes. Um, he scored a touchdown on one of those. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited about Jordan Moore, who's our backup quarterback. Uh, you know, he, he's mostly just, you know, running the option. But, but boy, he, he is exciting. He's very fast. And there are times he can, he can you know, get back there and throw a pass that will surprise the defense. And when he does, you know, that, that really adds to the arsenal there. Uh, I, think, I think you're seeing Jordan Moore playing more and more because Coach, K, uh, Coach Cut, I should say, sees him as the future of this team. Not, if not this year, certainly, you know, next year in the future. Uh, I think Jordan Moore seems like a really exciting, exciting player. But I, I was just thrilled. You know, th this is a big win for Duke. We, we said, I think you and I both projected Duke to win five games um, on the season. When they lost to Charlotte, I was like, there's no way they're going to win five games. This team isn't good enough to win five games. They just lost to Charlotte. Uh, I, I now think, I think five, maybe even six is back in the cards. This team looks like, you know, the way we played against Northwestern, we look like a team that's good enough to compete with, you know, at least a decent number of teams in the ACC. And, and, and I want to segue 
at this point to the Kansas game, to our next game. Is that, is that cool? You got anything else on, on, on the Northwest? Yeah, real quick, just to show yeah. this progression that you were talking about, everything you mentioned uh, about the second half of the game, how we uh, had the moxie to kind of withstand the pressure and some of these guys have been improving. All of that you mentioned this first week, week one, we lose that game against Charlotte because they didn't have that moxie to, hey, we're ahead. Let's yeah, keep you're right. Let's keep the ball. Let's, you know, let's run this out and let's send Charlotte packing. They let them back into it. They lost their mojo. And then all of a sudden, Charlotte was able to use that momentum, win the game. Fast forward to this week. They had a whole half, literally a whole half, basically, where they are one. They're only seven points ahead and they were able to hold off Northwestern every single time Northwestern took a punch. They stood right back up and stood in their face and they were able to get the stops they needed to get Northwestern off the field and, and without points on the board. So that progression is what we wanted to see. We obviously wanted to see it from week one, but you know, having that progression, I think that's where a lot of the optimism has been brought back by not just us, but a lot of people. And, and as I said, that brings us to this week's game. Duke plays Kansas, another power five opponent, but whew, Kansas is probably they're five. They're a five opponent. They're not power. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> powerful about Kansas. <laughs> Kansas is probably the, the worst power five team in the country. They're ranked 127th in Sagarin. Um, uh, they are one and two on the season. Their only victory is a very close win where they scored a touchdown in the final couple minutes to, to beat South Dakota. Not exactly a football power out there, South Dakota. Now, not that we should be saying anything. I mean, look, Duke lost to Charlotte, but South Dakota. So that's their only win. Uh, After that, they got absolutely curb stomped by Coastal Carolina, which is Coastal Carolina, by the way, a ranked team. You know, as non-Power 5 teams go, they are really, really good. Um, You know, probably second only to to maybe Cincinnati among non-Power 5 teams in terms of being a really quality team. Um, And then they also just got dominated. I mean, Kansas just got killed by Baylor. They gave up, Kansas gave up 40 plus points to both Baylor and Coastal Carolina. Um, And I I, want to recap for you. This is what Kansas has done in terms of opponents yards per rush. This Kansas team can be run upon. So South Dakota averaged four yards per rush, you know, four is okay. So it's, it's good. You know, it means that you didn't do a great job on defense. Then South uh, Coastal Carolina averaged 5.4 yards per rush. Baylor, Averaged 6.8 rush per uh, yards per rush against Kansas. Baylor rushed for 307 yards. If there is anything the Duke football team does really, really well, it's rush the ball with Mateo Durant. If there's anything the Kansas football team does really, really poorly, it's defend the rush. Uh, it is a mortal lock this week, <laughs> in my opinion, that Duke is going to run all over this Kansas club. I'll be shocked if Mateo Durant doesn't put up a 150-plus kind of number um, and, and I just, and Kansas is not a good offensive team. I mean, I've said they're bad on defense. Their, their rushing attack barely averages three yards per carry. Their quarterback is, you know, not all that accurate. Do, as much as we should have beaten Charlotte, we really, we really should beat Kansas this week. Yeah, we're 16-point favorites. When's the last time we heard of Duke yeah. football being a 16-point wow. favorite over anybody, much less a – a team from a power five conference. That is uh, something we haven't heard in a long time. And, and it's because Kansas is, has been playing that terribly, but I think you nailed it. Mateo Durant getting the ball. But for me, I want to see on the defensive side, I want to see our guys get used to three and out, get those guys off the field, get the offense back on the field where we can do damage. 
cause a couple of turnovers. We obviously have some confidence from this past week in, in causing turnovers, but if we can get Kansas, don't give Kansas any room for any confidence to grow or any momentum to seep into their brains that they can do this and pull off this upset from the opening kickoff, just pummel it down their throats, get off the field. If you're on defense, get three, three and outs, two and outs, one and out pick sixes, scoop and scores, whatever you want to call them, get those <laughs> and then make it so that the second half we can coast and kind of try some of these guys. Cause again, I think you mentioned uh, Jordan Moore and the option that he's been running. This is a great time to try that out and, and try some new things in the second half if we have a comfortable lead to see what we can do down the road. This is a game where you want to put the team that put Kansas out of it super early so that you can work on some of the things that you know you need to improve on come ACC season. Yeah, because ACC games are coming up, and there's some tough ones coming up very, very early in the schedule. So, yeah, we, we yeah, need to we have. Stuff. I mean, UNC and Virginia Tech are right around the corner, and both of those teams look very, very good. So uh, I want to make sure that we are – back on all cylinders by the time this game is over so we can concentrate on the on the big on the big fish that are coming down 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 the river speaking of duke playing unc i want to just very quickly folks if you have not heard about it our 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 soccer teams the duke men's and women's soccer teams both played unc over the weekend and came away with a couple of w's now for the men it was a blowout the men beat unc three to nothing biggest win over carolina since 1999 the Tar Heels had been ranked number 16 in the nation. They fell out of the rankings after Duke blew them out. Duke has now jumped all the way up to number six. The Duke men's team is number six in the rankings. They are five and one on the season, and they look really, really good. But the impressive one, the truly, truly impressive one was the Duke women went to Carolina and beat the Tar Heels one to nothing. It's the first time we've scored a goal. I want to repeat that. The first time we've scored a goal on UNC in four years, first time we've beaten them since 2015, UNC coming into the game was ranked number two in the nation. Duke was number four. This week, after the win, Duke's number two in the nation. UNC's number four. The number one team in the nation, by the way, is Florida State. And uh, let me tell you something. The ACC in women's soccer, like we may think of the ACC as a basketball conference. We are a women's soccer conference. (laughs) Florida State's number one. Duke's number two. UNC is number four. Virginia is number seven. By the way, the Duke women play Virginia tonight, Thursday night. Huge, huge game. We go on the road to play Virginia. You know, it is really impressive, the, the, the quality of women's soccer in the ACC and the Duke women undefeated so far, including a huge win over traditional power UNC. I should, I should mention a couple of things. One, both games were on the road at Carolina, which is no easy feat. They also just opened a new soccer stadium. So the game again for the women was supposed to be the first kind of, you know, major marquee matchup in their new, I, I think it's either new or remodeled stadium, but we spoiled the party big time for them. And, and honestly, when you're looking at women's soccer, men's soccer has been up and down over the years, but they've been very constant in being, like you said, competitive in the ACC, which is traditionally in both men's and women's soccer, very, very strong. But on the women's side, reminder, just a few years ago, our women were in the national championship and they lost a close one to Florida State. Florida State has been in the, in the, in the final four a couple of times. Duke has been there a final four a couple of times. UNC lost in the, in the title game last year. We have Virginia has been involved in the conversation. We have a lot of great, great soccer teams in the ACC, particularly for those of you in the triangle. All the triangle teams are very solid, including two that are elite. So 
get your get your boy out to Koskinen. Um, it, it, it get out there and watch those women play. Watch the men play. They are spectacular. And again, you know, this is my wheelhouse. Beating UNC in soccer is terrific for me. I love this. This is, this combines my loves, my two passions: soccer and beating the hell out of UNC. So, congratulations to the men's and women's soccer teams. Y'all, y'all did all right last weekend, and we love you for it. All right. So one final note here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast, getting back to hoops. Uh, Duke, of course, we, we've recounted it many, many times on this podcast in recent weeks. Um, John Shire, head coach to be, is just destroying it on the recruiting trail. And he has another important recruit coming to campus for a visit this weekend. Uh, that player is J.J. Starling. He's a top 35 prospect. Um, he might be. He's a combo guard and he might be the only player in the class, the class of 2022, who is a better shooter than Jaden Shoot. I, I would love to see J.J. Starling and Jaden Shoot have a little uh, uh, contest to see who's a better three-point shooter. Those two guys can both fill it up from deep in a very, very big way. Um, J.J. Starling is a little higher rated than Jaden Shoot because he's got a little bit of a better handle. He's more of a natural scorer, I think, than Jaden Shoot is. Um, Starling is 6'4". Um, he, he's more combo guard than point guard. I, I don't think Duke is really recruiting him to be a point guard. Um, it feels more like he's a guy who's going to play on the wing for the Blue Devils. And John Shire knows the importance of being able to knock down three pointers. And it's clear that he is going after two of the top three point shooters in the class. He's already gotten one of them. And he's trying to get the other one in, in JJ Starling. Um, Starling, by the way, so let's talk about his recruitment just for a moment. He grew up in upstate New York, about 15 minutes from Syracuse. Like literally (laughs) the guy grew up in Jim Boeheim's backyard and Jim Boeheim really, really wants this kid in a very big way. Uh, Starling has said that his finalists, he's named five finalists, Duke, Northwestern, Syracuse, Notre Dame, and Stanford. But everyone says that this is probably a Duke versus Syracuse thing. Even though he grew up just outside of Syracuse, really, really close, he is currently going to school in Indiana at a prep school called La Lumiere, which is one of the, you know, a top athletic prep school out there. Uh, he's, you know, they're, they're a really, really good high school basketball team and he's playing for the La Lumiere team. So that's in Indiana. So it's not like he's like literally surrounded by Syracuse fans day in and day out um, when he's making his decision. It, it's significant that he's made two official visits to Syracuse. Um, this visit to Duke that he's taking is the last of his official visits. And, and it's always good to be the last official visit, but he's taken two visits to Syracuse. That shows you, you know, sort of how much uh, stock he puts in the, in the team in his own, in his own backyard. I, I think a lot of this is going to come down to what, what kind of competition does JJ Starling want at his position? As we mentioned, Duke already has Jaden shoot. Um, it is entirely possible. We don't know for sure, but it's very possible that Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels one or both of them could be at Duke next year. Um, both those guys project to play, you know, pretty much the same position that J.J. Starling plays as, as a shooting guard, as a wing. Um, so it could be very crowded on the wing next year if, uh, if J.J. Starling is looking at that. And if, if he doesn't want competition, I could completely understand if he goes, you know what, I'll go to Syracuse or I'll go to Notre Dame or I'll go to Stanford or I'll, I'll, I'll go to Northwestern and I will play 30 plus minutes per game. Um, and at Duke, that is not nearly as guaranteed. But a lot of what we're hearing from people is that this is a kid who wants the challenge. He doesn't just want the easy path where he waltzes into minutes automatically. He wants to build his game and he wants to be on a winner. And, and if he wants those things, 
it's pretty likely he's going to pick Duke. But anyway, I just want folks to know, be on the lookout for if you're around Duke this weekend and you see the basketball players entertaining someone that you don't recognize, that's J.J. Starling. Give the kid a shout out. And as we've seen before, like you said, this is the last recruiting visit that he's going to have. We've been very successful in guys who make Duke their last stop, the last impression that they get, the, the last thing that he'll think about when he's starting to make his decision is the time that he had on campus uh, during his visual visit at Duke. So uh, for John and, and, and Nolan and all those guys, remember, lock the gym behind you uh, when he's in there. So uh, make sure he doesn't leave without a commitment. Uh, but we're looking forward to that. And, and like you said, Jason, uh, just the we've talked about this before, but just how he's rounding out this class. Uh, and how he would be a compliment to so many guys in this class, I think is the real key here. And, and hopefully that is the deciding factor in where he decides to play ball. Yeah. So, uh, so that's going to do it for this episode 334 of the Duke basketball report podcast. Like we said, we got big football stuff coming up this weekend. We got JJ Starling visiting this weekend. Soccer teams are continuing to play. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on and we will continue to follow it. Follow all of it for you. We ask you, please like and subscribe so that uh, uh, it helps us with all our search metrics and that kind of stuff. Um, we love to read those reviews. Leave us a nice review, and we'll be reading those on the air every now and then. And please feel free to email us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. That's the way to reach out to Donald and Sam and Jason um, and let us know what you're thinking. We've, we've been getting a lot of emails lately. It's, it's always fun. We, I think, Donald, we respond to every single email we get. So I guarantee yeah. if you email us, some great ones. we will get back to you. Yes. Yeah. We've gotten some good ones lately. Um, and every so often we'll, we'll read some of them on the air and we'll, uh, we'll have a podcast where you do nothing but respond to, to what you folks are saying to us. Uh, but for now, that's going to wrap it up here uh, for Donald. I am Jason. Um, Sam will be with us, I'm sure, in the very, very near future again. Uh, until he joins us, we'll just have to listen to the Duke band as they play us out and take us home. Thank you.